0: This is John Thorrington, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder
1: Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match-by-match, fan-by-fan, story-by-story. Amigos, it has been some time since our dulcet voices graced your earwaves once again. We are so happy to be back with you. A lot of life has occurred over the course of the past couple months for the three of us. But first and foremost, we wanted to take a moment, myself, my co-hosts, Christopher Signs and Christian Aparicio to wish you all a very, very happy new year. I hope you're all getting excited about this upcoming LAF season. But first and foremost, gentlemen, happy new year.
2: Happy new year, guys. It's great to be back. Lots of stuff has happened and transpired over the last two or three months. You know, I'm just glad we were back together so that we can talk about it. Yeah, Happy new year, everybody. And hope you all are staying safe and healthy. You know, happy that we're starting to talk
0: about 2022 and hopefully we can forget what happened in 2021 turning of a new
1: leaf i'm excited to jump in it yeah we want to apologize again for the delay between gosh i think it's been almost two months since our last pod obviously the end of last season was rough for all of us so taking a quick break at the end of the season was required for all of our good mental health. And then it just seemed like life upon life kind of happened to all of us. I started a new job over the course of the past week or so. I've been struggling through a positive test for Omicron. And if my voice is a little off today, my apologies. And boys, you guys have had a lot going on in your lives as well, too.
2: Yeah. You know, um, I finished my master's program. And that took a large chunk of time away from everything social. It was really easy to do the first year of the program when we were all locked up in-house and quarantining and stuff like that and not having anything to do or anywhere to go. But the last six months, it was really hard to juggle a full-time job, master's program, Gabriel's club soccer schedule, Ben doing his rec league soccer schedule, and just normal social life. And of course, you know, being married and making time for the wife so it's just all those things made it really hard to do those episodes so it's I'm glad that it's over and I've got a lot more free time now
0: yeah no same here a lot of work and also a lot of consistent opening and closing of daycare so managing all that and uh, family stuff recently there was a passing of my grandfather as well so it's just been very busy and up and down kind of end of the year but we're hoping for 2022 to be much more positive and you know excited to to have something new to talk about lafc and you know like i said turning a new leaf to see what we can do we have good building blocks and a couple cornerstones but i think uh, over the next few weeks we should be able to have more clarity to what's going to happen in 2022
1: our sincerest condolences to you and the aparicio family and desde cielo haciendo un carnaval man thank you thank you So with that, why don't we go ahead and dive into the biggest piece of news. We have ourselves a brand new gaffer. It was announced this week, something we had long foreseen, but questioned about, wondered if this was actually going to come to fruition or not. Much to the chagrin of some and the elation of others, Steve Cherundolo has been named the new manager of LAFC. The club released the following statement. One of the most decorated U.S. players of all time, Terundolo brings over 22 years of playing experience in Germany's Bundesliga, as well as diverse coaching portfolio that includes time as a Bundesliga first-team assistant, youth head coach, and a position in the German national team youth development program. Terundolo, 42 years old, earned the prestigious UEFA Pro License in 2020 after ending a distinguished playing career that saw him become a Bundesliga legend in Germany for Hannover 96. He appeared in over 415 official matches, setting a record for the most appearances by an American for any one soccer club. Southern California native and 2021 inductee into the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame, Torondolo made 87 appearances for the U.S. national team, including becoming one of 11 players in history to be named to three consecutive World Cup rosters in 2 6, and 10. Turandolo even played every single minute at right back for the U.S. in the 2010 campaign. Known as the mayor of Hanover for his service as longtime captain of Hanover's XIX, Turandolo began his coaching career developing the talent in Hanover's youth system from 2014 to 18 and served as a head coach of the U-17 squad. He also did some work working for Hanover's first team as well, too. He joined the coaching staff of Bundesliga team Stuttgart as an assistant coach in 2018 and moved on to the German national youth system for Demandschaft. Turandolo took over as head coach of LAFC's USL affiliate Las Vegas Lights for the 2021 season. We all know how swimmingly that went as far as performances go but we can certainly highlight his player development skills with the lights here in just a moment. Torundolo starred at Mount Carmel High School in San Diego area of the La Jolla Nomads Youth Club before playing two seasons at University of Portland. It was then he went and joined Hanover in 1999, making his debut for the German team at the age of 19 years old. He helped them earn promotion into the top league and is now taken over as gaffer of the Los Angeles Football Club. So gentlemen, initially, what are your thoughts around Steve Terundolo, new boss at LAFC?
2: I think we all know that I'm the optimistic correspondent on this show. So of course, in normal fashion, I'm excited. I think that it's an opportunity for a coach who I think has, people are giving him an unfair assessment based on his time in Las Vegas. I don't think that that team was built to win. I don't think that team had the elite players that he'll have with LAFC. And and so I think that it's a foolish assessment to think that his record with Las Vegas is going to be reflective of what his record will be with LAFC. I am very confident that he will have a better showing this season. I think that having a player with the connections internationally that he has acquired over his career and also his time with the national team Those are going to hopefully benefit us and pay dividends. And it seemed from the interviews and the press conferences that we've had that he is a player's coach. And that is someone who can connect with our players, hopefully on a different level and motivate them in ways that they may not have been motivated or just impress upon them certain goals and, and uh, initiatives and drives to make them play and perform better. And I think that, It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. And it'll be a good way to see what the team looks like on this new version.
0: My initial reaction was it's an interesting choice, but not a surprising one. I don't think any of us who follow the club very closely is surprised that he got the the job because, you know, he was brought with that in mind when uh, he was brought to Las Vegas. I don't think anyone thought, all right, maybe he's not going to be the next manager or maybe the one after the next manager i do think that lafc did their due diligence and did speak to some of these bigger names that were rumored but i think he had the inside track he also was here for a year i don't think that's a negative i think that's a positive to kind of see the infrastructure i also think it's interesting that i think las vegas lights is the the front runner to be the next mls club so like there was an opportunity there i think there's been some turnover With other clubs. I think he was probably having some conversations and LAFC maybe thought that they were kind of making this like Sean McVay move where a lot of credentials, a lot of experience. I think him being younger than Bob uh, is also a plus. I think Bob ran his course. He's very old school, very rigid. It sounds like Steve little based on what he's said so far, is focused more on player management or at least being able to connect and listen to players and bring the best out of them in that manner versus. Overly structured way. And I think for those that have been here for a handful of years with LAFC, it might be a good change to be able to do that. Because if you keep hearing things the same way, I think the motivation is lost in a way. And I think it sounds like he's had positive talks with Carlos Vela. And I think that that change of breath is going to be good for him. Even if he doesn't stay the entire year, I think it's going to be impactful for us to give us his best six months he has left to make himself marketable and put LAFC where they belong, which is in the conversation for the playoff run
1: next season. I have a couple initial thoughts about the Toronto signing. Obviously he and JT go back a long way. So there's a trust factor there between general manager and head coach that I'm not saying we, we didn't have with Bob, but I think the relationship between JT and Steve is going to be one that has existed for a very long time. They're very close friends, And that should be beneficial. And I think in many ways led to him getting the job at Las Vegas Lights and getting his foot in the door with LAFC ownership, with all the names that were bandied about that we knew ownership was looking at. Steve had to have done a phenomenal job in interviewing for this role with all of those various people to have won out against the other names that were in contention. So I think that speaks volumes to the man initially. My second thought kind of ties back into... If you go back and listen 25 episodes or ago, when he first arrived with the club, he had an interview with Max Bredos where you know he described his hiring process as being very brief and to the point. So I think it was clearly stated then that this was a goal for him in the future should he have the opportunity to beat out other candidates, right? I don't think he was guaranteed the job when he got here, but I think it gave him a leg up certainly that might have been ultimately what put him over the line there. Some other interesting things that – he said in that interview, and that it's his job to connect with all of the players in the age spectrum from top to bottom. And those were his words when he initially joined the team. So he was already attempting to establish communication and networks and a coaching conversation with players at the very top of the system from when he came in. We felt that that was a very unique comment to make at the time, and I think it harkens true now when we see his eventual hiring to the team. Philosophy-wise, football-wise, we don't have a whole lot to go on. He's spoken about himself as being a coach that likes to see free-flowing, you know, beautiful football. Many of the words that Bob Bradley used, whether that equates to 4-3-3 or 3-5-2 or whatever we've been using in the past, we'll see. I think a lot of those tactics are game-day decisions, personnel decisions, matchup decisions. But... We have seen something promising from him already in his LAFC tenure, and that is his ability to develop and connect with young players. Mamadou Fall, in his own words, spoke very highly of Tarundello and credited him with a lot of the breakthroughs that he had last season. So, if we are initially to grade him based on the performance of the Las Vegas Lights in the win loss column, it would be an exceedingly poor grade. However, if we are to grade him based on what we now hear was his role in the lights. And that was simply a developmental role. Then you would have to say the arisal of of Mamadou fall, the fact that many of those Las Vegas lights players have gone on to get national team call-ups. You know, we saw good things out of a few other players from that light squad as well too. Cal Jennings being one, obviously Mamadou fall being the other. You can say that his player development skills certainly seem successful. Like so many coaches in this game, it's going to be wins and losses that determine his ultimate tenure with the team. He stated himself that he'd like to be with the club for a very long time. We know he was obviously with Hannover's 96 for a very long time as well too, over 400 matches most ever played by any one American at a club that speaks volumes to his loyalty to club and crest. I think those are all great things on the outside, but again, so much of a coach's performance is going to be hinged upon the personnel that he has and what he and JT are able to accomplish in these next couple months running up to the season, how are we going to replace some of the glaring holes that we currently have in our defensive midfield? In net for us, those things, you know, how is he going to manage Raito? How is he going to manage Vela's potential departure in six months when his contract is up? Those things are going to define him with LAFC within the course of this first season. We're going to have to sit back and cheer him on as it plays out,
0: And we hear the community, and I think I'm with them that the comment that's out there for a big club, why did we get a big name? I mean, the flip side is, you know, big clubs also create big names. How many players have been developed by Borussia Dortmund or some of these other German clubs that are big international teams, right? So I can understand that Steve Shrundel, from a management or coaching perspective, he's not there yet, I, but I do think he has the potential to do so. I'm cautiously optimistic, and it's, it's you know, it's kind of a, we're, I'm going to support the decision in him, but it's kind of show me, and we got to get into the playoffs, and we got to perform a lot better and a lot more consistently than we did last year. You know, injuries happen, but we have to have a, a team that's deep enough to be able to sustain a more manageable performance so that we don't drop or have a turbulent Season like we did last year that was very very frustrating
1: yeah we're talking about a coach that's played in three world cups that helped a team earn promotion to the bundesliga one of the most challenging divisions in the world someone who is highly respected by both coaches and players that's not something you often see within the world of football there are definitely players that get along well with other players but tend to butt heads with the coaching staff There's the players who are the coach's best friend that don't necessarily get along well with their teammates. I think it speaks volumes of Terundolo that, you know, he is well-received by both his peers and his superiors throughout the course of his career. He's had the chance to work under some amazing coaches at his time in in his UEFA Pro training. Not to mention, I mean, he was part of the U.S. men's national team in helping develop a lot of these players that are currently excelling for us. And the work that he did with Demonshoft and their youth system as well, too. That's two top 10, top 15 in the world national teams that he was part of the youth academies for. And that's a wealth of experience I don't want to sweep under the rug. Now, does he have a ton of coaching experience as being the guy? No, but everybody's got to start somewhere. And I think it's a hire with a lot of upside. If the potential works out, it's a high risk it's not the kind of hire that is going to sell you a lot of tickets. And that to me is another very fascinating development because we know LAFC's ticket sales waned throughout the pandemic as people struggled to find their way out. And the product on the field last year certainly didn't do much to encourage ticket sales. And if I'm an owner of this club and I'm thinking, you know, the likes of the Terry Henry's and other people like that that were out in the world that they could have thrown a ton of money at, could have come in and been a very big splash and put a lot of people in seats throughout the stadium. The fact that they chose to go a different direction speaks volumes to those conversations that were had with him in the hiring process. And if you have the likes of the names that we heard bandied about LAFC out there, big names that would have brought a lot of cameras and a lot of eyes to what's going on at Banky California Stadium, and the fact that they went with someone unproven means that those conversations with ownership and JT and the like had to have gone over exceedingly well Not to mention what they witnessed throughout his time with the lights had to have been extremely positive as well too, albeit we did not see that in results on the pitch. And those are two things, again, that really stand out to me throughout the course of this process and gives me some hope. I don't want to just be a a glasses half full kind of person. There's an, an obvious bit of disappointment in all of us that it was not a big, big name. But at the end of the day, all we care about are results. And if this is the man that gets us results helps us develop young talent, something that is absolutely essential, not only to on-pitch performance, but financial performance of an MLS squad, then I would have to be happy with the hire. But right now there are a ton of question marks. Would there have been question marks around any coach that came in? Yes. Perhaps the expectations on him are a little lighter, given that he doesn't have a history of success to come with him. But the man's got to be feeling like he's on the hot seat. And the first 10 games of the season are really going to do a lot to determine exactly what direction his career is heading.
0: I guess I differ with you. I think the pressure is much bigger because of him being unproven and not having that name to kind of back, have as a backstop. One thing that also makes me optimistic is he was a defensive player You know that had had some attacking-mindedness. He, he did pick and chose his his moments to to attack so him talking about being good at transitions offensively and defensively having discipline is encouraging because i think we leaked a lot of goals getting the right keeper is going to be important getting a couple other defenders to to kind of supplement the the defenders we have now is going to be important but then him systematically entrenching in them the grit that's needed to kind of have this free-flowing football going back and forth and Us finding the right players to be able to do that and having that personality is going to be really important. So that's why I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't think Bob did the best job defensively apart from 2019. I think when we just blowing people out of the water because we scored so early and so often and being demoralized, I don't think that LAFC had a good defensive tenure apart from taking that year out. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on out there, guys. And other news, there's been some departures as well in this month of December. There's uh, Bryce Duke, who recently was announced leave to Miami for $100,000 in GAM money. So I think, speaking of Steve Chirundolo, that's one player I think he had positive impact, I think. Last year, he did have some impactful performances. He was much more gritty, showing more personality on the pitch when he did get the chance to play with LAFC. But most of his reps were for Las Vegas. And I know that he had some goals and some assists. Unfortunately for him, he's not able to maintain his tenure with LAFC. And I thought he was trending in the right direction, but decent money for him in return and him
2: going to enter Miami. What do you guys thought on that? I'm a little disappointed that we didn't keep Bryce Duke. I think that the fact that he was a homegrown player and we had him on the cheap, that was some incentive. It was a positive to keep him. Plus I also felt that like you had mentioned Christian, the grit that he had on the pitch and over the league two years that we had him, I felt like we saw some growth and development and I would have liked to have seen that continue. I'm disappointed to see him go, but I I think that he'll have a better opportunity to get more minutes in Miami. But you know, that was also under our, our current form with the players that we had from this past season, which obviously there's a big gap in the in the midfield with Atuesta moving on and not maintaining some of our other midfielders that had had uh, acquired minutes, uh, so he might have had a better opportunity this season actually to get some of those minutes. But I still think that in Miami he'll definitely get a better opportunity to be more of that starting eleven. So it's good for him, and uh, I think that you know LAFC is trying to acquire as much gam and tam money because i think they're looking to try and bring in some some extra players and have some some of that extra spending money especially with, with us having one dp spot open and there being no real cap on what we are going to spend for that dp position having something i think there, there's like 1.5 million dollars combined between tam and gam with the uh, sale of rossi the sale of atuesta and some of the extra money that we've acquired. So that's that's a significant amount of money that we could put down towards another player that could help us.
1: This move screams to me one of two things. The first thing being a typical JT player first move. We want to get the guy minutes. So, you know, we're sending him somewhere that needs a homegrown player. Miami acquires his homegrown rights, and he's going to get a lot more playing time with them than he would have gotten with us. So you do the player a solid and Hope that that helps you sign the next player because they see that you've done them a solid. And we've done quite a few of those. Not all of them have panned out so financially or on field play to the benefit of LAFC. A hundred thousand, you know, for a player that's on the fringe of the first squad is, is decent money. We know that this club needs to go out and spend that money. We've only got one DP available. And whether that is someone else up top to take the burden off a Rayito or an Arongo and, and we get a true nine or that six that we need to replace the outgoing Atuesta. We have one DP slot, but we're still going to need to fill pretty big hole in goalkeeper and a few other spots throughout the roster that are going to have to happen with people that don't use international slots. So that means you're going to have to go out and get domestic players, and that, that requires allocation money to do. So I think they're hoarding some of that allocation money to go out and continue to bolster likely the midfield with Somebody who's an MLS domestic person that that's going to use up some of that allocation money. One person who will not be coming back to Bank of California Stadium, or I should say when they do, will not be receiving a warm welcome. Announced today, Raheem Edwards has signed with the hated ones. As I am calling him Raheem, the traitor Edwards has now signed with Carson. Dun, dun, dun. What are your guys' initial thoughts to the first player to go directly from team to team to cross that 110 freeway down to Carson and will now be suiting up against LAFC for the hated ones?
2: To me, I don't really care. One, Raheem Edwards was only with us for a season. Two, this is not going to be the last time that it happens. And I'm going to have a harder time when it's a player that comes to LAFC that used to be LA Galaxy player. That's going to be a harder thing for me as opposed to, you know, a a player who he had no real emotional ties to our city. He played with us for one season. He also wasn't someone that lit up our opinions of him. He, He had some good games, some mediocre games and some poor games. So it's not like, I'm indifferent. It doesn't really matter to me. And it's, you know, he's a professional athlete that's looking for a paycheck and he's a fringe player anyways. So for him to, you know, just look to try and find a home. Plus he also has that relationship with the head coach, Greg Vaney from his time in Toronto, you know, good for Edwards. And uh, I hope that he plays well, just not against us.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm going to root against them. Just as I do every other Galaxy player, to be honest with you. I'm not upset that he left. He didn't get signed for a reason. Although Himalayan didn't go directly from our team to, to the Galaxy, this is the second player. So I feel like, you know, they're taking our scraps. And it makes sense to me that they've had two players that we don't feel are good enough for what we want to do to go over there.
1: So. Hamilton was loaned out to the galaxy. I, I don't know how much say he had in it, or maybe that was just based on his familiarity with MLS. Um, I think and he it wanted
0: the weather. He doesn't care.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he put pen to paper and, you know, said, I want to go to the galaxy. He just got loaned there. Raheem Edwards was a free agent and he crossed. Yeah. I hope he plays exactly for the galaxy like he played for us this year. Yeah. Frustrates him. <laughs> he cost us points. There were multiple games in which we sat on this very show and tore him up and down for decisions he made on the pitch that in late games, late in games, he capitulated and cost us a number of points throughout the season. I mean, I think it was like something like seven points. The difference between us making and not making the playoffs, you can't put on one person, but... I'm going to go ahead and put on one person now that he's a member of Carson and say that uh, if it were not for Raheem Edwards, we make the playoffs. Or if we had a more serviceable replacement to him in those moments that was able to execute, we would have points. So I I hope he's the reason that Carson doesn't make the playoffs next year and and don't let the door hit you where exactly. I'll root for Uh, him to do that. yeah. Yeah. In other bizarre news, I don't know if you guys saw this, but both Carlitos and his wife deactivated their social media accounts today. Dun-dun-dun. Does this bear ominous portent for each of you? Do you think perhaps some big news is in the wings for Carlos Vela? Perhaps one of those many rumored departures back south of the border is in order? Or is this just them going through a moment of disconnecting from social media, perhaps in focus on the new year and and a new season
2: I think that you can make a speculation about any sort of number of things especially when it comes to Carlos he's always been a person who takes his family life and his personal life very seriously Uh, we've seen that when it came to him not participating in the MLS's back tournament we've seen this when it came to his time with the national team I mean, you can speculate on a number of reasons why it happened, but at the end of the day, I don't think it has any relevance as to whether or not he's going to be with LAFC or not with LAFC. He's under contract for another six months. We have him, and based off of what we feel the opinion is that's going around is that Carlos wants to prove that he wants to be here, and he wants to prove that he is worth the money that we're paying him. And and he has six months to do it. I don't think that the social media deactivation has anything to do with his soccer career.
0: He's so kind of eccentric. It's so hard to speculate. Like, I, I wonder if he's going through like a media detox for the holidays, which he doesn't even use that much of. I feel like his pictures are very curated and very like magazine-like. So I have no idea. It could be that he he's announcing something, but over the last month, I haven't Felt any indications of that other than people on the fringes reporting, like from their blogs, that they heard this from a Mexican contact down in the saying that they're going to America or Cruz Azul or that he's open to it. He's said that himself that he's open to it, but he is under contract. He's always respected his contract. And if one thing that we know about him is that if he's negotiating or isn't happy about something, He actually keeps it private. He's been true to his word. Like, How many times can he have thrown the Mexican Federation or the managers under the bus or positive conversations he's had with the Mexican national team uh, or negative ones? And he's never really said anything beyond when the scandal that took him away from the national team happened. He really just shut it down and never really engaged much. So same with, I feel like any troubles about his injuries and him just working hard, putting his head down and trying to get back and didn't do it early enough for us to have the impact of his, his skill. But I don't know. I don't, I I can't read into it because he's hard to read into and he's made it that way for the last decade.
1: Steve Terundolo has said that he's had positive conversations with Vela and expects positive things from him throughout the remainder of his contract. And we'll see after that. So, you know, be hard-pressed for the coach to come out and say we've had good conversations with the guy and then all of a sudden boom he's gone but you never know he did just buy a new house here in LA and has expressed his desire to stay in Los Angeles so I think all of that bodes to perhaps this is us just reading into nothing yeah I didn't but even I, know you followed that closely I'm like I'm impressed well you know I got my my eyes and ears out there in the world feeding me little little tidbits of information so especially on my boy you know Carlitos. But I suppose we're going to have a chance to find out here pretty soon because we have a match announced preseason upcoming at the bank. And in just a few short weeks here, we're back to MLS action. So it's uh, January 29th. It's going to be at Bank of California Stadium. Whether it's still called that by then, we'll see. But the Revs, the current supporter shield champions, are coming to town. So that'll be exciting. Good preseason match. I was kind of hoping for another big club from overseas to come on in but what with omicron and everything going on in the world i think the fact that we're getting new england to fly all the way over and play is going to be a fun little warm-up
0: you heard it here first Palmeiras is going to come in a year to watch i'm looking forward to that all the brazilians from la coming out but yeah no i'm looking forward to this i feel like steve facing bruce arena is going to be an interesting kind of dynamic american former coach to a new coach that he coached that's a lot of times i've used coach in that sentence but It's going to be interesting and see how he approaches that, even though it's preseason. I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to try to make sure that he proves in the first match that to the fan base that really he really cares and he has what it takes to have a good performance from the team.
2: It'll be interesting. It'll be definitely interesting to see. I hope that there is uh, some way for us fans to be able to watch some of this. You know, and you talk about how New England's flying in. You know, they very well could be here in California. I know a lot of those East Coast teams will, especially in a January month, would be somewhere on the West Coast just based on the weather, because on the East Coast, it's snowy and cold and nobody wants to practice
1: in that. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. Well, speaking of Palmeiras, some other stuff has transpired since our last episode. We know it has been some time, and so we don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But I do want to run through a few things and just get some quick-fire reactions from you guys. And obviously, we alluded to it earlier in the show. Edward Atuesta is gone. He's gone to Palmeiras for an undisclosed amount of money, which we believe is somewhere around the $4 million mark. Could be more, depending on some performance incentives. We don't know if we're retaining any of his rights or not. But given that this is a player we all had evaluated at a significantly higher number than that, it's great to see him go to a big club. It's great to see him moving on in his career. But the financial returns for LAFC, not particularly fantastic in this case. So that's my two cents on it, boys. What are your thoughts on the twisted departure, aside from the giant gaping hole it leaves in our defensive midfield?
2: I think that this might have been something that Edward wanted. I think that he might have felt like he had gotten as much as he could out of LAFC and was looking for an opportunity to move on. I'm sad to see him leave. He was by far my one of my favorite players to watch on the pitch and uh, with the club. And I I mean, I hope that he does well. And I, in terms of the finances, you know, I think that we had been hearing that that was the market for Edward. And I don't know. I, I think that it's one of those things where can we replace him for the same amount of money? are we going to be able to replace a player of his caliber f- with the money that we get for him? And it's hard to say because he was such a, a dominant player in that midfield and he demanded such uh, a presence that um, it is. It's gonna. Those are going to be hard feels, shoes to fill. And we saw that too when Atuesta wasn't in the Conca Champions League final against Tigres and when Atuesta was hurt in the latter half of this last season, you know, we saw that there was a big hole and, and it dropped in our players' performance. I'm interested to see who we bring in and how that new dynamic works.
0: Yeah. My reaction is good for him. I know that he wanted to move on. The price tag, it's not what we expected, but I think unless you're a marquee national team player, I think the price tag is a little bit suppressed still because of COVID and finances around the world. It's also Brazil doesn't spend money. They're usually a selling country. They're selling to Europe. So the fact that they identified this player and wanted to do business with us and is making him happy and hopefully he gets to take his next step. I hope that happens. I hope we retain some percentage of his rights if the price tag is rather low uh, based on what we expected. But a good move for him. I, I think, you know, that right now there's a couple of Libertadores defending champion, so there's definitely eyeballs there it's closer to Colombia too which I know that he's trying to break into that first team it's going to be a big year for him and being close to Colombia in a World Cup year is going to be important for him to try to make that roster so it makes sense although it does break my heart and I just hope what we're bringing in is either similar to him and what he could do or just a out and out number six that can just break apart offense offensive attacks so that we have C. Fuentes and Latif kind of cleaning up and taking the attack and he's just kind of that pivot player that protects the back line
1: yeah all the best to you will put off a, a you were a fantastic representation of club and crest while you were here everyone in black and gold wishes you all the best I just wish we'd have got an extra 10 million for you when you left but I suppose you can't have everything Uh, In some other news, Tristan Blackman uh, was drafted and then immediately swapped by Charlotte FC to the Vancouver Whitecaps in what we assume was a handshake deal that may have been predicated or part of the departure of Pablo Cisaniega to Charlotte a few weeks prior to that for $50,000 in general allocation money. And perhaps those two things led ultimately once again to LAFC acquiring Tajori Shradi from Charlotte FC in exchange for four hundred thousand in GAM, which they had quickly flipped up and picked him from Cup Champion NYCFC. So, to make a long story short, Blackman out, Cisnegiaga out, and then we have Ismail Tajori Shradi, who has come in. So, kind of a complicated. Multiple team move there, but what did you guys think of the off-season shake-up with those two departures and the incoming to Jori Shradi?
0: I think for I mean, Tristan, never fulfilled his potential here, um, or got injured when he was trending upward and trying to lock down his backline position. And with Murillo coming and Mama Fall, I think with him joining the club and performing well, I think Tristan kind of was out right with both the right and the left defense also being taken up. So I, I didn't see a path for him to get a lot of minutes. So I think career-wise it made sense for him. And uh, I'm glad that it sounds like to me that he's going to be able to get a lot more playing time there. Nega also didn't take advantage of his opportunities. So hopefully he can improve his footwork in terms of playing out of the back, or he can find a club where he doesn't require him of that because he is a good shot stopper. And lastly, on Tajuri Shroudi, Uh, I'm optimistic of him at least being a spark off the bench, similar to what Latif has been in the past, to give us some spark on offense or giving us a different option. Or if there's some injuries on either wing, he can come in and be an inverted wing or a true winger to kind of help us in the attack. I think we didn't have that off the wings, off the bench that was impactful. So having him be able to either be a starter, Give us sixty minutes, half hour is going to be important next year when we know it's a long season and sometimes a schedule is packed.
2: I am definitely sad to see Tristan Blackman go. I think that him being the very first player in our expansion draft, he had a very special part of our history, and I felt like he had um, a bad run of injuries that had hindered him and his performance. And I just I think that he had kind of gotten out of favor, Bob Bradley and just his, his fitness and form. And I I do, I wish him the best of luck in Vancouver. And we're now down to two players from the original squad in 2018. That's Carlos Vela and Latif Blessing. And uh, you know, it's always hard to see players go. We're going to talk later too about Jordan Harvey being a free agent and the likelihood that he may not be coming back. So it's, it it is, it's, it's hard to see players leave, but you know, nobody's going to play with you forever. Right. And as for Pablo Cisniega, I I wish him well. I think that, you know, he has shown at times to be uh, having a lot of potential. But, um, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, uh, Jonathan, in the show, our goalkeeper situation. I mean, Tyler Miller has been our best goalkeeper that we've had on our club. And that's not really saying a whole lot. You know, I mean, I like Tyler Miller a lot and I thought that he played well. But when you look across the league and you look at some of the other goalkeepers and the standouts that are that are in the league and you look at the quality of those goalkeepers compared to the the players that we've had at our goalkeeper, it's just it, it's hard to sit here and wonder, you know, what we're doing with our goalkeeper situation. So hopefully that all changes now with uh, Steve Truendillo at the helm.
1: I think a lot of Tristan Blackman's departure kind of leads us into our next piece of news, and it's kind of, you know, what's going on at right back. There's Kim moon who's there, but we really did not see what we expected to see from Kim moon how he develops and continues to grow throughout the course of his contract remains to be seen, but a very offensive-minded right back in moon that at times really struggled to be effective out there on the pitch. Uh, And that's where, you know, look, Julian Gaines was really our only other backup at right back prior to the acquisition, of course, of Franco Escobar from Atlanta United for $600,000 worth of GAM. Well, potentially, I think it's $250,000 straight up and then up to $350,000 in performance incentives. So the contract is very laden with him. Well, depending on whatever those performance incentives are, whether it's minutes or, or how that's calculated, we don't really know the particulars of So it could be as cheap as 250 grand, but that would be if he probably doesn't work out and upwards of $600,000, which is a healthy amount of allocation money if he does work out. But it certainly seems like Escobar is going to be our starting right back with Kim Moon-Wan being the offensive minded backup to him in other games. And and we're still pretty thin at outside backs. That really only leaves us Palacios and Farfan is his backup at left back. So I I do think we're going to see another outside back or two come in, whether that's promotions coming up from the lights, although there's not really a whole lot at left back in the lights to be excited about Julian Gaines at right back, potentially still very young and unproven and someone I think still needs some more time in lower leagues before he makes it up to the senior division. Uh, But Escobar coming in from Atlanta United is an interesting signing. A lot of money spent to go that direction. And I'm excited that he's going to hopefully solidify right back, which, again, just left Tristan Blackman out uh, at right back. And then at center back, we have Segura coming back. And, you know, obviously the emergence of Mamadou Fall, that kind of put him fourth on the depth chart there as well, too. So, I mean, do you really need your fourth center back and your third right back on a squad when you know you can use him to go out and help get it to Jori Shradi which you know is really kind of how that deal worked out by the time all said and done we basically paid 350 gam and Pablo Cisaniega and Tristan Blackman in order to acquire to Shradi who was a pretty sweet offensive player for NYCFC and, and you know look they're the reigning champs so he you know performed particularly well for them so I can't say it's bad business. Uh, It sucks for Tristan Blackman. He's someone we obviously all love. The fact that he held up the 3252 scarf and not the LAFC scarf when he was drafted was always a fond moment. And, you know, he'll be beloved by us. And who knows, maybe his career will circle back this way at some point in time. That remains to be seen. Speaking of other players, and and Chris, you you sort of touched on it a second ago that uh, are still circling around the club, but unlikely to return, at least as a player, is of course Mr. Jordan C. Harvey and his lovely wife Kim Caldwell Harvey. We we certainly hope that they are still around the bank. I would love to have her continue to sing national anthems for us, uh, Canadian that is. And um, you know Jordan Harvey is someone that we all really liked, and I, I hope he ends up working with this club in some capacity, whether it's over in Las Vegas, more over at the Performance Center, or whether he's actually helping out the senior squad. What are you guys' hopes for Jordan Harvey, and do you agree that he deserves a place in Toronto's coaching staff?
2: Well, I do think that Jordan Harvey is actually looking to get signed by another club. I can't think of the the performance coach who left LAFC this past season. His name is escaping me, but I saw on a social media post that he had posted a video of him working with Mark Anthony Kay and Jordan Harvey, and they were doing you know, just fitness drills, just getting into shape. So I do think that Jordan Harvey is going to continue to look for uh, employment at other clubs or maybe even LAFC if we decide to bring him back. But I don't think he feels like his career is over. Could be something similar to Stephen Betashore, where he sits out for um, a number of months and then looks for an opportunity to play after some injuries and things of that nature. Um, but I would love to have Jordan Harvey come and be some type of uh, role or as a coach but um, I think that you know you do need to get those licenses and things like that before you can become an official coach on the roster so there might be some of that time that that he has to to take to acquire those licenses and things like that but uh, I mean I would I would love for Jordan Harvey to come back I think that he's been a, a great leader and a role model for the club and for some of these younger players and you know, he's been a great guy, a great guy for the community, and always been very, very gracious with his time.
0: Yeah, my prediction is he'll be with the Rapids by the end of the season, just like Beta Shore and Kay. I'm not sure if we'll sign him. I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but I don't think he'll have any real playing time. Um, but there is still value to have him in the locker room. So, I'm hopeful that he finds a place where he'll get minutes because I'm sure that's what he desires as a competitor, any professional player. That's what they want to do, be able to impact the team on game day. But it sounds like from comments that he made and Bob made last season, that he was doing a good job of, you know, keeping players accountable, giving competitive practice matches. Um, So I think obviously we all know his best years behind him, but at this point, I think he's in a difficult position and it it might, you know, I think maybe Betashore can give him some tips on how to stay in shape if it's going to be prolonged and, you know, has a good agent that can find him the type of contract that will make him happy for another year.
1: Wrapping up the news, we have Mitchie Galena's loan who expired, did not really have much of a role with the team, but he has departed via loan expiration. And then uh, another fun bit, uh, Chicho, Christian Arango, named the MLS Newcomer of the Year. So obviously, Chicho, someone who put up great numbers in the limited time that he was here. Big, big things to come from him, hopefully, in this next season. You know, if he had been around an entire season last year and continued to perform at the rate he was performing, you know, you're talking golden boot numbers, and it would be fantastic to get that out of a non-designated player going next year although we do anticipate his contract going up and perhaps some of that allocation money used to buy that contract down. But congratulations to Chicho,
0: Chicho Orongo. That should be a 3252 chant. Uh, but yeah, no, congratulations to him. Uh, he he made the end of last season much more hopeful and brought some joys that we were missing before he came. You know, I'm glad we have a, a true number nine with some, some guts, some huevos out there that uh is leading the line and i think he has been a culture shift and i'm looking forward to what he's able to do with a full preseason and uh, you know a full ramp up in steve's system and we need to take advantage of his attributes because he should be able to score at least similar to what he scored in the second half of the year for the entire year that's what i expect from him i mean he I think teams are going to game plan for him, so he might might not be the same in terms of amount
2: of goals, but I think we can use him as a decoy to open up spaces for both Rayito and and Vela. It's definitely going to be exciting. I think that uh, we saw some good flashes from Brian Rodriguez, and we saw Chicho Rango obviously dominating and scoring so many goals at the end of last season. Um, And if we can get Carlos Vela back healthy, I do think that it'll be interesting to see how our, our offensive dynamic plays out again, really trying to look for an opportunity to for Carlos to be able to free flow in and find his lanes and and be able to um, put the ball in the back of the net. You know, I, I am. I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season. It's our fifth season as a club, which, you know, is an important year. It's a celebratory year. And, uh, you know, what better way to do it than to start off with a whole new revision. I mean this is this is the new look LAFC and and I'm excited to see how it ends up playing out.
1: A Roman numeral V, 5th season, V for victory. That's what I'm, I'm hashtagging this season as uh, V for victory for our, our fifth season. Well, that's going to about wrap us up for this week's episode. Again, we would like to thank all of you for sticking with us throughout our extended departure. We're really excited to get things gearing up and start getting some more interviews booked. We got some big fish out there we're trying to reel in. And as always, if any of you out there in listener land would like to come and join us, you can reach out to at LAFC S2S on all your social media platforms. We'd love to hear your opinion on the show. Hit us up. We'd love to have you on as our guest. So on behalf of Chris, Christian, the amazing sound engineer, Wilton, and myself, a very happy new year. And thank you for listening to episode 106 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. With that, take us home, Sticks together this our culture from the force of a supernova stay fly in that fc dorsum. hey shopping down to nikki's koreatown litty caper so mommy about to drop her fifth they want me to stop but i ain't come to my house i defend that bank